Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoy this week's homily. We're continuing in our series called God Of, and today we are talking about the part two of God Of Love. That God, this God that we serve, this God that we follow, is actually somehow in some way a God of love. That that is somehow distinct and different from every other God that is out there, every other God that people proclaim and want to worship and and, and call on. That that the God that we worship, the God that we follow, is distinctly different because of the way in which he loves, the way in which he interacts with us, and the way in which he cares for us. So as we get started with this, let me pray for us as we jump in this morning. God, we thank you for this time that we have to gather together to spend time looking at your word, spending time with one another, and spending time getting to figure out who it is that you are and how it is that you interact with us. Father, the the paradigms that we have of who you are, Lord, may they be shaken just a little bit. May they be challenged just a little bit. And may it push us to, to dive in and know you more, to dive in deeper and understanding you as we come into relationship with you. So Father, may we be changed a little bit more of our understanding of you and our relationship with you and how it is that you want us to step out into this world and interact with those around us. So Father, in your son's name, We pray all of these things. Amen. So I walked on by. I saw them sitting there on the ground, just a little family. It was was a mother and her three kids as she was holding a baby as well. The three kids were playing what looked like like jacks as they sat there on, on this cardboard cutout sitting on the side of the street. She held her baby and the baby looked to be sleeping at the moment, but I walked on by. I saw another man not too long ago who was just standing there with a sign that said, I'm hungry, can you help? And I just walked on by. I saw another lady who actually came up to me. I was standing waiting for somebody at Pike at the market. I was just standing there waiting for somebody. I was meeting somebody and she came up to me and began to engage with me in conversation. And I was kind of like, oh my God. Okay, and I brushed her off, and I walked on by. It's a pretty regular occurrence here in the city as as we have a homeless crisis uh, stated by our former mayor, Ed Murray. It was a a homeless crisis here in in the city, that it's actually a, a state of emergency, that there are a homeless crew of people here in the city that are in desperate need of things, and Oftentimes, I would say probably about 90% of the time, I walk on by. There were a few men who saw a man sitting on the ground who was on this, what looked to be a stretcher of some sort, a a mat that actually had a little bit of substance that, that he could be carried on. And he sat there on this ground begging and asking for food and asking for money on the regular. This was how he paid for his life, how he was able to support himself with food and how he was able to maybe every so often find himself some shelter. But for the most part, he was a paralyzed man that could not walk, had no wheelchair, had no way of actually getting around from place to place except for on this mat. 
What was required was not just that he could get a little bit of financial subsistence from people, but that he could actually entrust people with that money to go buy him food and bring it back to him. Or that they would actually, he could get a few people to pick him up and carry him to the next place. He was completely and totally reliant on people for every step of the way. Well, one day, some men kind of came by and saw him, and I don't know what they were talking about, I don't know what they were thinking, but they had this moment of like, I got an idea. What if, what if we pick up this guy and we take him? There's this big conference happened down the street. What if we take him and we get him there in front of everybody? What do you think might happen? Now, this wasn't just any conference. This wasn't just any collection of people that were, have you ever been to a conference that like in your specialty, whether it's a game developer conference, whether it's, whether it's a financial conference, whatever it is, like you just, you go and it's everybody's the same, right? Everybody kind of dresses the same. Everybody kind of looks the same. They have the same sort of interest, the same sort of conversations. They go to the same places for lunch and there's always a huge line outside of the men's room because most conferences are attended by men. (laughs) Like, that's just kind of how it is. And the women's room is, you know, pretty easy to get in and out of. Well, this was a conference of religious people, of religious people, like just a ton of basically religious, like pastors, rabbis, like religious people were inside of this place. And these guys thought, hey, let's carry this guy and let's take him and put him on front of the stage. Let's put him in front of everybody and see what happens. So they kind of pick him up. They get up and they, they kind of like, I don't know if they talk to the guy and be like, hey, we got an idea. And if he was like, yeah, that's a great idea, let's do this. Or if the guy was like, hey, let me go. What are you doing? Like, we don't know if he was fighting or not. He could have been fighting, but, like, but he would have been helpless, right? No idea what on earth he could possibly do. So these guys, they come up, and I'm going to guess that it was probably more than four of them, that it was actually more of a posse, like six, seven guys kind of thing. They come, they grab each corner of the mat, and they begin to pick him up, and they start to carry him through the streets. Now, it kind of reminds me, like, the, the scene a little bit kind of reminds me of, like, uh, like, like, if you've seen, like, old movies with, like, um, uh, with, with, like, Cleopatra or, like, like, King Tut, and they're always on, like, these, like, poles as they kind of walk them and parade them through like this royal entry, right? Like this royal march that's sort of taking place. And they're kind of just carrying them along. That's kind of how I imagine this. And people are starting to look, right? As they go through the streets, people are like, what is going on? Because I think they kind of want to hoist him up a little bit and gather as much attention as possible because they're trying to make a scene, right? They're trying to make a scene. So they've got him up here, and they're walking through the streets, and people are just like, huh, all right. Well, they get to the conference site. They get to the place, and they find out that this conference is, like, sold out, okay? Like, it's not just, it's not just standing room only, but this is one of those places where there are people flooding out the doors just to try and hear what's going on inside, to see if they can catch just a little bit of a glimpse. And so, like, there's this giant crowd outside of the entryway, and the guys are, like, there, and they're stopped, and they're like, well, how do we get through? Like, they're, they're trying to push through the crowd, but they're too big, they're too wide, and everybody's like, get out of here. Like, no. Kind of like when you walk on by people that are on the side of the street, or you ignore them, and you push them aside, like, what's this guy? This guy didn't need to get in there. Like, shut up and get out of 
Quit bothering me, right? Let me listen to what's going on inside. I want to hear the guru speak. I want to hear the teacher talk. These guys, I don't know what it was about them, but they had a little bit more of like gusto and bravery and courage. And we're just like, you know what? We're not going to let this, like they've got a stick-to-itiveness to them, right? Like we're not going to let this stop us. So they kind of take the guy around the corner and they set him down and they begin to plot. And begin to plan. And begin to think, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this guy in here? One of the guys comes up with a brilliant idea. He says, you know what we should do? We should go in through the roof. We could totally go in through the roof. I'm like, what? How are we going to do that? Like, we go in through the roof. How are we going to get him down to the ground? We can get some rope. We can get some pulleys. Like, we can get some stuff, right? We, we, we can go grab everything we need. He's not going anywhere. Right? He's paralyzed. He can't get up and walk away. He can't go anywhere. So they, they, they set him down. They, they run to the nearby locations that they possibly can. They're, they're asking, like, there's, it's, it's kind of a fishing village where they're, where they're at. And they're like, hey, you got some rope. You got some extra rope? Like, oh, yeah, we got some extra rope. Here you go. Here you go. And so they, they grab all this rope and all these things, and they, they start to, like, hoist each other up on top of the roof of this place. And they're just kind of like, ready? Like, like, like this, right? They've got, they've got the hands down. It's like, ready? One, two. Don't throw out your back, bro. I got this. I got this. Three. And they launch each other up onto the roof, right? Well, then they kind of have some ropes up there and they, they begin to hoist the guy up. And there's one guy down there like, oh, please don't follow me. Please don't follow me. Please don't follow me. As they kind of bring him up on top of the roof. And there's that one guy that just doesn't get a go, right? Because he was the guy that was the spotter and now there's nobody else to help him get up. And so he's like, well, I'm going to see what happens from down here. He's the left out guy, right? There's always the left out guy. And so they're on top of the roof, and the, the, the roof of this building was kind of tile and mud, okay, like tile and mud. So they, they begin to peel away the tile and like, like create a big enough section to where they can lower down this guy on his mat, they're like, they're thinking safety concerns here. They're like, we're not just going to tie the rope around the guy's chest and underneath his arms and kind of lower him down that way. They're like, no, no, no. What we can do is we can just tie a rope to each corner and we can just all of us lower him down through the roof. So we just got to create a big enough hole in the roof for this guy to get down. So that's what they do. They start digging away at the roof. They start digging away at the roof. And they're digging and they're digging and they're digging, and they're, you know, they're dropping elbows on it because they got to have something a little bit hard to break up the soil that's up there. Now, here's the crazy thing. Can you imagine you're sitting in a conference with all of these people that are like you, and all of a sudden, what is that on my head? What is going Is that dirt coming down from the roof? Is this place going to collapse on me? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, like, like, you stop paying attention to what is happening in front of you because you're looking up. Because all of a sudden, you start to see fingers start to poke through the hole, right? Like, have you ever done it? Like, th think about it. Like, as you're digging a hole through mud, like, you're doing everything you can, you just start to see these little fingers start to come down. And then all of a sudden, like, more and more as they start to pull away bigger and bigger chunks of the mud to create a big hole, and all of a sudden, there's a couple of faces poking down at you, and you're like, you look behind you because you notice like, oh, wow, this place is really packed. Like, this place is really full. I guess they really just wanted to hear this guy teach. So like, they're, they're, they're breaking away the top of the roof, and all of a sudden, you see all these eyes staring down at you. Five pairs, because the sixth pair was outside, remember? The poor guy that didn't get to see anything, didn't get to hear anything. 
And so like they're, they're just kind of like digging away, digging away, digging away, digging away. And they get a big enough hole that's just kind of like this big kind of like, like rectangular kind of thing, big enough for the guy's mat. And they, they tie the ropes around them, and they're, like, there's all this commotion on top of the roof. No, 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 grab this, grab this, grab this. And they're trying to be as quiet as possible, still a little bit loud, right? Trying to be as quiet as possible, but still a little loud, trying to respect the guy that's kind of trying to teach down there, right? Like, maybe he's, he's okay. And so they wrap everything around, and then all of a sudden, the people in the room kind of start to see this map, like the stretcher kind of get pushed. <sighs> over the hole and they're just like what on earth and then they see there's a little dude on it and they're like that guy's gonna fall like what what is going huh like and all of a sudden like they're getting really confused and at this point the teacher is certainly not teaching anymore he's probably just looking up be like oh this is good this is good like this has never happened to me before. I, I, I've never been teaching anywhere where somebody has come through the roof. I mean, like never, right? Like that's, that's going to be a little bit unique. And so if you're a teacher, you'd be look up, you'd be like, huh, all right. I mean, I can imagine like my high school teacher would have thought that I could have done something like that. Like one of my professors would have thought that like, sure, I would have pulled a prank like that. We had once in, in uh, one of our, our assemblies for, for school, guys came in on like zip, zip lines, like down onto the stage during an assembly kind of thing. That was kind of cool. But like, I've never done anything like that, right? Like never, never been anywhere like that. But here's this moment where they're looking up and there's this guy starting to come down and they're starting to lower him slowly slowly, slowly, slowly down onto the ground because they had heard about who this teacher was. And they had heard what he was capable of. And they were really curious to see if he could do what he said that he could do. If he could do the things that they'd only heard about in stories and in rumors that had begun to flood all throughout of Israel. This guy's name was Jesus. And this story takes place in Luke chapter 5. And here are these guys that had been walking by all of these homeless people all of their life, all of their time, just kind of ignoring them and, you know, not really caring too much about them, that all of a sudden one day they get it in their mind, let's take this guy to Jesus and see if he can actually heal people because the stories of healing had been begun to saturate the land. It had begun to carry throughout everywhere. And these guys thought, let's get him in front of Jesus and let's see what happens. And so here he is laying in front of Jesus in front of all of the religious people. It wasn't just any kind of religious people. It was the religious leaders that had traveled throughout all of Galilee. The text says that it was every villager, from every village, there was a rabbi, a religious leader from every village in Galilee. right? All coming in. But they didn't just come in from Galilee. They came in from Judea. They came in all the way from the south. This was a whole like nationwide sort of conference. They even came from Jerusalem. So like some of the leaders, like the leading rabbis came from Jerusalem to hear Jesus talk, to hear Jesus teach, and to see if maybe something cool was going to happen in the process. This was a nationwide conference of rabbis coming together of religious leaders 
coming together, of Pharisees coming together, of Sadducees, of the Sanhedrin, of all of these people coming together to hear this Jesus talk. And now these guys have dug a hole in the roof interrupting this conference that they have traveled days to get through. There's these guys that have dug a roof and interrupted this Jesus that they came to listen to. And not only are these guys the culprits, but now there's this paralyzed man that for sure they had walked by a time or two on their way to this religious conference sitting in front of them on the stage in front of everyone. And Jesus takes a moment, looks at the guy, and he doesn't do what the guys thought he was going to do. The guys were like, dude, he's going to heal him. He's going to make him walk, and it's going to be sick, right? Like, it's going to be amazing, right? Like, Jesus looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. This is crazy. This is a crazy statement. Not only because it ticks off every last religious leader in the place. All of a sudden they're like, whoa, who is this guy? Like we came to see some healings and we come, came to hear some pretty cool teachings. But who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sins? Only God can do that. This is blasphemy. Like this is blasphemy. We don't do this. Like, you don't do this, especially you, whoever you are. Like, yeah, you've done some pretty cool magic tricks and healings and stuff like that, and you can teach pretty well from the Torah, but like, uh, you don't do that. That's reserved for God and God alone. They are ticked. They're absolutely upset. But here's Jesus. The very first thing he says to this man, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's this crazy belief that was going on back in the day throughout the nation of Israel. This belief that they had was that if you had a malady, like, like you were paralyzed, you, you, were, you were lame, you couldn't walk kind of thing. If you were blind, if you were deaf, if you had some sort of physical malady that, that had uh, afflicted you since birth, that it was your parents' fault. That your parents were somehow caught in some sort of sin. That they were sinning in some way, shape, or form. And so that's the reason why you are the way that you are. If you were born with some sort of deformity or malady, you, you are that way because of your parents' sin. And that sin has now been transferred onto you. This was the belief of all the religious leaders, or a good portion of the religious leaders, that would have been in that room. And Jesus' very first words. Your sins are forgiven. What's really beautiful about that, what's really amazing about that, is what Jesus is doing, is he is showing, he's a God of love, but what he's doing is he's showing restorative love. In this moment, all of these people are looking at this man, and the belief that is going on in their head is that this man is a sinner, and it's because he comes from a line of sinners. It's family lineage of sin. And that's why you are the way that you are. And we shouldn't really have pity on you. We shouldn't really care for you in any way, shape, or form. But here is Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. And wiping that away. And saying, this man right here is just like you now. That's restorative. All these religious leaders are sitting there in judgment of this man. 
All of these religious leaders are sitting there keeping him at an arm's length at, 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 or even further. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. His sins are forgiven. He is now just like you. That's why they were upset. They did not want that dichotomy to be changed. They did not want that, that separation to be ended. Because that separation was what kept the power structures at play. And here's Jesus saying, no, 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 no. We restore things in this kingdom of God. I'm a God of love that has come to restore people back into right relationship. And as they sat there and they were really frustrated and upset, Jesus said, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Which one would be easier? And so as a way of proving that this man's sins actually were forgiven, Jesus looked at him and said, get up, take your mat, and walk. And he did. That's the thing. That's the thing that they expected to see at first, right? Like, oh, Jesus is going to be really cool and like make this guy walk. Sweet. It'd be awesome. The guy's up in the roof and the ceiling like, oh, but he flipped the script and said, no, 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 no. The most important thing is to restore him back into the power structures of society, of our nation and of our people. We will restore him back first to that. Let's destroy the power structures as they are and let's create a space of equality, a space of hope and a space of peace for all to live in. And then let's make this man walk. Now, let's help this man. Now that, every, now that the playing field is level, let this man get up and walk. And all of a sudden, he'll be able to provide for himself. He'll be able to do all of these things. Of course, it'll have to happen throughout lots of relational sorts of things. But here's the thing. He does. He gets up and walks. And everyone in that room was filled with awe and amazement. They were filled with awe and wonder at who this Jesus was and what it was that he was about. The awe and the wonder was not directly related to the fact that he got up and walked. Who's on the roof? <laughs> I cannot forgive sins. I cannot heal the lame. <laughs> Just so you know, if you're up there. <laughs> It was not attributed to the fact that he, he got the man up to walk. It was attributed to the fact that he restored power structures. That was their awe. That was their amazement. And that's what they left with. Every day I walk by people, and they're all over the city. Homeless people that are left and right, that have just been left for dead, that have, been, that, that, that have just been left by their families, by their friends, by society, by power structures. There are other people that are not so easy to see and so easy to determine. And to think that, that maybe Seattle is somehow different than ancient Israel in the terms of the amount of homeless that we have is, no. <laughs> it's, it's probably we're better off in, in, in many respects. But it doesn't leave them aside. It doesn't leave them alone. And our role and our job as people is to reflect this God of love that has said, go and do likewise. Many times he said, go and do likewise. He said, my kingdom is a kingdom of restoration. My kingdom is a kingdom of love in which all people can come together and be as one. 
And as followers of Jesus, this is our role. This is our job, is to begin to step out into those spaces and into those gaps of the people that are standing there that we walk on by, to begin to step into that in some way and begin to create a restorative sort of mode, whatever that may be, whatever that may look like, great or small. It's in Revelation chapter 21 that John, on the island of Patmos, he had been, he had been exiled at this time. He'd been kicked out of the Roman Empire for the stuff that he was doing as an apostle, going around starting churches, encouraging churches, preaching against the, the, the imperial Roman Empire, preaching against the oppression that was taking place in and throughout the empire, in and throughout Rome. John was exiled. He was kicked out, and he was exiled to live on the island of Patmos. It's an island that is surrounded by nothing but water. He is separated from everyone that he has ever known. He is separated from every family member that he's ever had. He's separated from everyone. And the only way in which he can communicate is through letter, as supply ships will show up from time to time, and he gets to have a small conversation with people to bring him a little bit of food, and he'll stow a little letter on there and get it back to some people here and there. This is how he communicated the entire book of Revelation was through these little letters, this letter that, would, that went out on one of these boats. So he was exiled, surrounded completely by water. Everyone that he'd ever known doesn't ever get to see again until he dies on the island. John writes in, 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 John chapter tw- or in uh, Revelation chapter 21, as he's writing this, he's writing about what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. When heaven comes to earth, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like. He said there will be no more tears. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. And there will be no more sea. There will be no more sea. A lot of times people have said, oh, it's just oftentimes in Scripture, and this is true, oftentimes in Scripture it means evil. Like, Like the sea is equated with evil, like it's a metaphor for evil. Oh, there will be no more evil. And I think that's true, and I think that's right. But I think as John is sitting at his little desk, staring out the window, and he sees this sea, he sees a sea that separates him from everyone and everything that he had ever known. He says, and there will be no more pain, there will be more suffering, there will be no more hatred, there will be no more tears, and there will be no more sea. That that will be wiped away, and I will be joined and reunited once again with everyone that I have ever known. That there will be true restoration of every relationship that I have ever known. There will be no more sea. As a community and as a people, that is our call. That is our call to help bring heaven to earth, to help usher in and pull back the curtain to say, no, 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 the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The exact same things that Jesus preached over and over and over again, that the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is at hand. And our role is to peel back that curtain and say, see, there's no more see. There's no more separation. But we can all be restored into right relationship. Just come with me. Let's step into this space. Let's step into this place because we follow and we love this God of love that wants nothing but restoration to take place in our relationship with him 
and our restoration, uh, a restoration of our relationship with who we are and our own understanding of self. A restoration of our understanding and our relationship with this creation that's around us. And a restoration of our relationship with each other. That there will be no more sea. And that we can take these people to Jesus. And he will show us what restoration looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your son and the example that he has set for us. This example of love and this example of restoration of restoring people back into right relationship with, with power structures within our communities and our cities and our neighborhoods, of restoring us back to right relationship with, uh, with all of the people that are around us. Father, we thank you for his example, and Lord, we pray for a, a blast of creativity that your spirit may empower us and, and um, embed within us a, a spirit of creativity and of of uh, innovation and how we can make these things happen around us. Father, first, as we look at our families, as we look at our neighbors, as we look at our neighborhoods, and as we look at this city, Father, endow us and embed within us a sense of, of power and of, of innovation and of creativity. Spark our imaginations with what's possible as we look forward into this space and as we look forward at your Son, keeping our eyes fixed firmly upon Him, it's in your son's name that we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.